From the nation's capital to the Sunshine State. It's compelling. The high plains of Kansas and the northeast corner of the land of enchantment. It's Friday. The land of EWTN all across the Lone Star State. It's GRN Alive. Bringing you faith, fun, and facts. Live from the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us on the show. Call 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Good morning and welcome to GRN Alive Friday morning. It's really nice where we are right now. I know some parts of the country are really uh, suffering right now from the weather. Sis will have more on that in just a second. Uh, it's Friday, August 28th, 21st week in Ordinary Time and the Feast Day of St. Augustine, Bishop and Doctor of the Church. I like to say the son of St. Monica. You know, they never say that. They always say <laughs> she's the mother of St. Augustine, but uh, the cause and effect thing we got to take uh, into account there. All right, so St. Augustine, please pray for us today. Tomorrow, the Feast of the Passion of St. John the Baptist. My name is Dave Palmer, host of this program. This is going to be a fast-moving show today. We have a lot to talk about. There is so much going on. Dr. Chris Malloy from University of Dallas joins us uh, here on the program. How are you doing, Dr. Malloy? Doing well. Good morning. Yeah, busy week, huh? I had three espressos, so I'm, I'm doing fine. <laughs> Is that why you're shaking? <laughs> it's been, a, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. And we also have, uh, Cecil Anderson, uh, running the board and commentating and doing all kinds of stuff, firing off sound clips. How are you exactly. doing, Cecil? I'm Good doing morning. Well, thank you. Yeah. And I know you've been doing a little research on the hurricane. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that in just a second. Also want to welcome in studio, uh, our friend Alex Trevino. Uh, he was on, interestingly, last time he was on this show was March 6th. And Just that, before everything sort of pre-pandemic around, yeah, the, the last the <laughs> normal la- week, <laughs> the last day of normal, right? Back before we we could shake hands and stand closer to six feet to each other. So. Yeah, I'd like to think that you're you're the bookends of all the craziness. I hope but so. I, so I, hopefully I, next week vaccine comes out. Does something this happens mark the that, end yes, of it all? It, right now? I'm not. I'm not, not going to say anything actually. <laughs> all right. Uh, among many other achievements, uh, well, the greatest of all, of course, he's a he's a he's a Catholic man. He's a father of three. He's uh, 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 he's also a film, a movie uh, uh, producer of videos and movies. And uh, yeah, real quickly, Mission 180 is your latest project. Want to give a? Uh, we're going to talk more about it next yeah. year. But uh, yeah, yeah, Mission 180. Um, as some of, the, some of the listeners here have heard, is a 100% free, 180 part video series dealing with the beauty and the richness of the Catholic faith. 100% free, no cost. Um, just this week, we released the the next 44 episodes. So these ones are awesome. They deal with the Ten Commandments, the Seven Sacraments. Um, Father Thomas from University of Dallas has three amazing episodes on sin and just opens up what sin is, mortal, venial sin. Um, they're a great opportunity for, for people to watch as a family, perhaps after dinner, before bedtime, to reflect a little bit. Um, you know, during, you know, for teachers, educators, any sort of parish leader who's looking for free content to give away to their communities to build community, especially in time like today, uh, this series is Exactly for you. And it's 99% free? Uh, no, 100% free. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm yeah. kidding. I 100% free. That, that's awesome. No, yeah. my, my family has enjoyed them. We, we uh, have awesome. sat around and watched them. So we're going to talk more about that in the uh, the next show as well. Diane Xavier is here faithfully running our social media. Go to YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and just do at uh, GRN online, and you can see behind the scenes uh, what everybody looks like and all that. And there's going to be an after show today uh, where we'll keep the conversation going and talk a little bit more informally. And uh, Cecil has been kind of watching Hurricane Laura, and uh, wow, what? Uh, somebody told me the fifth largest hurricane yes, to hit America. It is, is that right? It is. It's yeah. It's one in the top five. So um, yeah, Hurricane Laura hit Louisiana um, 
as a Category 4 hurricane. And it's been the biggest storm that they've had there since 1856. And it caused a power outage of nearly 1 million people in Texas and Louisiana. It's currently now a tropical depression going over Arkansas. But unfortunately, in this, uh, six people's lives were lost. So pray mm. for the repose of their souls and their family. And it maintained its hurricane strength for at least 11 hours. So it's pretty devastating. And I'm sure in the coming days, we'll learn more about the property damage that was done with it. But it, lots, lots of rain, lots of flooding. Yeah. Yeah. Pray for all those folks. And uh, I talked to Tim Mott the other day. He's our general manager down in Houston. And, he said, uh, th- thankfully for Houston, it kind of missed them. It uh, went to the east, and they yeah. were not devastated. But, of course, uh, like you say, there were six lives lost. And mm-hmm. But you think about, like, the hurricane of 1900 uh, that right. hit Galveston, yeah. and it was like 6,000 people that died. I mean, oh, and uh, thank God for modern technology that can give us a lot more warning about these mm-hmm. things as they come. Uh, we are going to later on talk about Christian persecution around the world. A lady, and I hope I have her name right, Gia Chacon, founder of For the Martyrs, an organizer's next Saturday's March for the Martyrs in California. And uh, we're also going to tie it in. She she kind of talks about international persecution of Christians, but there's some stuff going on right now in America that's a little little weird. That's a little scary. I mean, people you know, running into restaurants and screaming and yelling, uh, you know, telling people to do the the power fist and yelling are you Christian and there's some uh, there's some weird stuff going on and um we'll talk a little bit about what's going on here and uh, maybe how it relates to uh, events around the world as well. And at the end of the program, as if that wasn't enough, Paul Sens, author of Fatima, 100 Questions and Answers About Marian Apparitions, uh, is going to join us, published by Ignatius Press. And today is the movie, the day that the movie Fatima comes out, long awaited. It's pretty exciting. I've been awesome. waiting for this one for a while. And so you've seen it, Dr. Malloy. Yes, I have. I'm going to take, I try to take my kids to a theater if I, if I can. Uh... Yeah. Find one if, open. Yeah, well, if I, if I can pack them all in the car. <laughs> yeah. And remember last time we were, when we were talking to Dick Lyles, we were not allowed to say anything about what we thought. Remember right. there was, uh, and that was kind of a weird, but now we can say that, uh, go see it. You know, you got to support movies like this. Uh, and so anyways, uh, in other news, we got a special guest coming up here in about four minutes. I'm really excited about this and you're going to really enjoy hearing it. I'm going to keep it a surprise for a moment. Uh, the Republican National Convention wrapped up last night with an acceptance speech by President Trump and they, they wrap up the whole thing and I guess they make, they have a decision to make about let's, let's play a, have somebody come up and perform a song at the end of the convention. And I don't know if you heard about this, Dr. Blay, what song was sung? Did, no. did you? Okay. We actually have a little bit of it. Uh, this is pretty amazing. This is what was sung by a gentleman at the end of the convention uh, last night. I, I didn't see it live. I just saw it on Twitter. Who, who was who was that, uh, uh, Cecil? Yeah, that? it's a uh, Christopher Macchio. Isn't that amazing? I knew it had to be an Italian. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Very classically trained <laughs> singer here. Yeah, that is. I, I saw amazing. it with my own eyes. Heard it with my own ears. It, 100% amazing. True. Yep. Well, it was not on my bingo card for the RNC. I'll tell you that. No, it's pretty awesome. I, I, I'd love to hear the backstory yeah. of how they chose that because right. you know they could have picked Amazing Grace, yep. and I, I would have been very happy. Because they with had that. other songs too that he sang, so very patriotic ones, and then 
he busts out Ave Maria. Okay, like, wait, so he, wait, he wait, sang wait. a number of songs. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So it wasn't just and the one was, song. This was okay. one. I think this was like the the third to the last one, second to the last one. Wow. Yeah. But to be included in there that's was just awesome. unbelievable. That, that's the yeah. best song ever. I mean, it really is. That and Oh Holy Night are my two favorites yeah. of all time. So that's awesome. Well, Catholicism and abortion were on full display this week. In fact. Uh, Monday, Cardinal Timothy Dolan of the Archdiocese of New York opened up the Republican Convention with prayer. And I must say, you know, they had some Catholicism last week in the Democrat. We talked about this in the show last week. Father James Martin led a prayer last week for the Democratic National Convention. Uh, Father Simone Campbell delivered an invocation last Thursday at the Democratic National Convention. She was asked August 19th whether her organization opposes the legal protection of abortion. And she said, quote, that is not our issue. That is not it. It is above my pay grade, end quote. So kind of punted on the uh, the abortion issue. I want to say also, as we talk about politics and faith, uh, did you hear the story about Father Paul Garrity, a priest of the Archdiocese of Boston? Uh, he sent out a message this week via social media where basically he said, I am pro-life and I support Joe Biden. Well, obviously, Joe Biden is not by most people's, cause, yeah, you know, I mean, he, he yeah. could, you could probably say in some twisting of, you know, pro-life. Yeah, I think Joe Biden would probably say I'm pro-life, right? But not, not on abortion. Well, for sure. I will do everything I can to codify Roe. Yeah. That's just, that's his program. Mm. Well, Cardinal Sean O'Malley now has responded because this is a priest in his archdiocese and he put out a statement saying the Catholic community has the right to expect the priests of the archdiocese and those entrusted with handling, uh, handing on the faith to be clear and unequivocal on the church's teaching concerning respect and protection for life from the first moment of conception to natural death. This teaching is of the highest priority for the church. That's Cardinal O'Malley. You know, that's just echoing the, uh, the, the, the letter of Ratzinger to Theodore McCarrick, and I'm going to quote here, In the face of fundamental and inalienable ethical demands, Christians must recognize that what is at stake is the essence of the moral law, which concerns the integral good of the human person. Guess what they start with hmm. in terms of what are those fundamentals? Yeah. Abortion, Abortion. euthanasia. Second, family needs, monogamous marriage, man and woman. Third, true freedom of parents regarding the education of their children. Yeah. Wow. In that go. order. In that order. When yeah. did you write that letter to him? Uh, 2004. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's been a lot of controversy. I mentioned Father James Martin. He tweeted this week. Uh, he said, here's what bishops, priests, deacons, and men and women in religious orders are allowed to do in elections. Pray and educate. Here's what they are not allowed to do. Endorse. That gives that goes for both parties. As the Pope says, the church is meant to form consciences and not replace them. I think he was responding to Sister Dee Dee Byrne. You, uh, speaking she, at the RNC, right? Speaking at the yeah. RNC on uh, the Wednesday night. Right. Fully habited. And this lady's incredible. She's a medical doctor. Yeah. She was, uh, I think, in the military. Did, yes. you, did you see her talk? Yeah. yeah. No, I, I didn't see the clip, but uh, I read it. Yeah. I read her speech. We actually, and I, I know Sisso's doing double duty. I don't know if we can play Sister uh, Byrne here as we get our surprise guest on the line with us here in just a moment. Uh, but uh, Sister Dee Dee Byrne, I, I, I must admit, I had not heard of her, but one of the lines, it's not going to be in this clip, but uh, she said, I am pro-life, and not only am I pro-life, I am pro-eternal life. Wasn't that a great line? Awesome. Yep. That is awesome. So let's play uh, Sister Byrne's tweet that got uh, Father Martin a little bit upset. I mean, because she did come out and endorse Trump. I mean, that well, this was not just talking about pro-life, but uh, here's Sister Dee Dee Byrne, a, a little clip from her talk. 
As followers of Christ, we are called to stand up for life against the politically correct or fashionable of today. We must fight against a legislative agenda that supports and even celebrates destroying life in the womb. Keep in mind the laws we create define how we see our humanity. And we must ask ourselves, what are we saying when we go into a womb and snuff out an innocent, powerless, voiceless life? As a physician, I can say without hesitation, life begins at conception. All right, there you go. Another person who spoke boldly and loudly at the uh, convention this week uh, was Abby Johnson. She is our surprise guest. She is on the phone with us live, former Planned Parenthood manager, former Planned Parenthood employee of the year, uh, spoke boldly and clearly and memorably uh, on Tuesday evening. Abby, good morning. Thanks so much for taking time with us. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm doing well. Always good to be with you guys. Yeah, you've got uh, Dr. Malloy and Alex Trevino and Cecil here, so you may hear a lot of different voices <laughs> coming at you. Well, what, what a week it's been. It. I, I guess my, um, uh, my did, were you surprised that you were asked to speak? And it doesn't sound like they said you, got, you can say this and you can't say that. You were kind of given free reign. Did it surprise you that you were asked? It did surprise me, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, it sort of came out of nowhere. Um, and, uh, you know, I haven't, I mean, of course, I've been supportive of Trump, um, but haven't been, in, you know, I haven't been involved officially with the campaign. So it sort of came out of nowhere. And, uh, I mean, I was just so incredibly honored. And uh, I don't really think... I don't know that I really realized what it like what a big deal it was, I guess. <laughs> um <laughs> until you saw all the tweets and the reaction, the, right? The week of, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, I I was talking to Alex and uh, before the show about this. I've been so frustrated in years past where I, I believe, and I'm sure you certainly agree with this, Abby, that abortion is the issue. It's what, uh, you know, everybody is concerned about with Supreme Court justices. It's what, you know, but in past election years, it seems to kind of get, you know, swept under the rug, and it's the elephant in the room, and neither party really, really wants to take it on, but boy, this year, it was taken on. I just played the clip from uh, Sister Byrne and you. Uh, how wonderful. They, this has become a really winning issue, isn't it? It is, and what's really interesting is that the DNC didn't talk about it at all yeah they i mean always they have someone from planned parenthood usually the president of planned parenthood they have people from the abortion lobby someone from NARAL, someone from NAP. i mean they have prominent leaders in the abortion lobby standing up on the stage giving a talk they had no one this year speak on abortion i mean they really they really stood down from the abortion topic and then you sort of juxtapose that with the, the RNC, and it was like life, 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 I mean, all throughout um, the convention. So that was interesting. But, you know, people don't need to be fooled. I mean, yeah, um, so, yeah, Harris I, and Biden have, have both talked about, you know, their, you know, how they want to expand abortion rights. Um, I mean, that abortion is something they both definitely agree with. They want to expand. They want to 
um, you know, undo uh, states' legislative, you know, legislation um, that has uh, protected life. So, I mean, people don't need to be fooled. Just because they're not talking about it on stage doesn't mean that they are not, you know, extreme abortion zealots. So, Abby, there's there's a group of voters that are that are not anti-Trumpers. Um, they're not um, Democrats, but they are. I don't know. They're the kind of people that put up those adult, any functioning adult signs in their neighborhood, you know, on their lawn for 2020. <laughs> and um, what I'd like you to do is, could you speak to those listeners and um, c- contrast what Trump has done and and hopes to do, and what the Democrats have done and hope to do on this issue. Because literally, I'll get a yeah. Facebook friend that'll say, Trump has paid more to Planned Parenthood than the Democrats. So, yeah, funding is a really complicated issue. I mean, I think people just think, well, Trump can just stop funding Planned Parenthood. I mean, you've got to really understand the budget. It doesn't work like that. Um, Trump can't wave a wand and just say, no more money for Planned Parenthood. Um, Planned Parenthood's funding is tied up in Medicaid money. It's titled 19 money. Um, you can't just cut off money like that. It, it, it won't stand up in court. It's very intricate. Um, what he has done is he has cut off Title 10 money, which will set a precedent to cut off other types of Title cash grant funds like Title 20, Title um, 5. Um, those are specific cash grant funds. But the largest, the largest pile of money that they receive is not a cash grant fund. It is uh, Title 19. That is a uh, budgetary fund that is tied in with um, a huge budget that is passed every year. So we're talking about if you don't fund that budget, then you're shutting down the government. Okay. So this is not, it's a very complicated issue that we're talking about. It is not just like snap your fingers and get rid of Planned Parenthood's money. So, um, so, so a lot of times, you know, and there's no line item veto on that thing, I imagine. Abby, let, let me, let me ask no, you, there's uh, not. I, I wanna... there's not. but I mean, people, people need to understand that when, when we're talking about, but president Trump has done considerable things. He has, um, there were, you know, Obama has had, um, done away with states being able to defund Planned Parenthood in certain ways. He had undone conscience protections per, for providers and other medical industry workers. Um, President Trump reinstated those things so that states can defund Planned Parenthood as they will. Um, there are now conscience protections. There are religious liberty issues that he has reinstated. Um, he has done so much for the American public. He has done so much for the unborn. He has set a precedent for defunding that I think is going to continue to move forward. Um, and if you contrast that to a Biden-Harris presidency, people need to understand something. Um, Biden and Harris will work diligently to overturn every state legislative victory that we have seen across the past few decades. So I'm talking about 
um, every defunding the abortion industry initiative that we have seen. So that's including here in Texas. We've defunded Planned Parenthood of um, here in my home state. We have defunded Planned Parenthood over $30 million a year. That will be reinstated. Um, abortion bans, 20-week abortion bans, that will be um, negated. Um, we'll see abortion through however, you know, six, seven, eight months along. Um, parental consent for minor abortions, that will be gone away. Waiting periods for abortions, um, ultrasound legislation, all of that will be gone. There will be no restrictions on abortion. Uh, Trump has set unprecedented numbers for pro-life federal judiciary appointments. Um, that will be gone. He has put two pro-life Supreme Court justices in place. Um, I believe that we will see two vacancies on the Supreme Court in the next two years, in the next four years. Those will be liberal Supreme Court openings. If we have a Biden-Harris pre presidency, those will be filled with liberal Supreme Court justices that will codify Roe v. Wade, and we will not see the end of Roe and Doe in our lifetime. If Trump is, is reelected, we will see two pro-life justices appointed, and I believe in our lifetime we will see the end of Roe and Doe. Hey, uh, Abby, let me let me uh, ask you about uh, go, go back to the talk from uh, Tuesday night, because there were a couple of things that you said. I mean, it, it, it was a poignant talk. And I, I think that the, the couple of the takeaways that I think people really remember are the, the, the line about the doctor, beam me up, Scotty. And something that I had never heard you say before, perhaps it came out in the movie, I don't remember, but uh, uh, that abortion has a smell. And I think there was some real poignant moments, and I think it was beautifully written. Did you you wrote, you wrote it yourself, or tell us about how you chose the content? Because it was a pretty brief talk. Yeah, I mean, they asked me, you know, to write a draft, and so I did. And actually, it was interesting the the abortion. <laughs> did you know abortion has a smell? That was actually sort of an ad lib. You know, I had to I had to write a speech, which I don't ever do. I don't ever write my speeches. Ever, ever, ever. Like, I can okay. count on one hand the times I've written this speech. But you have to for that, you know, because you need to make sure it's under a certain amount of words um, to fit, you know, in under five minutes. Um, and then they put it up on a teleprompter. So I'm, you know, sort of reading my talk um, in a bullet point form. And But in that moment, you know, I said, you know, I know what abortion sounds like. I know what abortion smells like. And then I just sort of threw it in. Like, did you even know, you know? Abortion had a smell because I, I just thought to myself, I bet most people don't know. Yeah, yeah. That abortion has a smell, and that seemed to be that seemed to be the primary takeaway. Yeah, uh, for yeah. most people that 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 listen to the speech. Yeah, that that was pretty poignant. Hey, we only have a, a couple more minutes. I want to ask you about the reaction. I, I was talking to somebody last night, and they said that that poor Abby Johnson. People are being so mean to her, and I, I, I responded and said, <laughs> you know, she's got thick skin. You know, she can handle it. I mean, she, yeah, the, the easiest thing for yeah. you to do would be, no, I don't think I'm going to give that talk because you know you're going to get attacked. I mean, you know it's going to come after you. So, uh, just got two minutes uh, till we have to let you go. But what has been the response? I know a lot of it's been positive, but uh, what 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 has surprised you about the response so far? 
Oh, I mean, we were expecting attack. We were expecting spiritual warfare. As soon as I, I found out that I was going to be giving the speech, you know, my family and I, we started praying against spiritual warfare. We knew, you know, attacks were going to be coming. We knew that, you know, every tweet, everything I've ever said was going to be misconstrued. You know, I'm, you know, I've got Black Lives Matter, you know, on my tail now. I'm a huge racist and, you know, somebody took a tweet I, I said out of context and now I want to take away a woman's right to vote. I mean, it's, you know, it's just, I'm like, you know, I put on my Facebook, I'm like, y'all, I, I, you know, drank a lot in college, so y'all can probably find crazy pictures of me in a bar somewhere, you know, if y'all look back far enough. Yeah. Um, you know, this, this is what happened. Anything to distract from the message that was given on a national platform, right? Anything to not talk about abortion, anything to not talk about the barbarity of abortion, that's what they're going to try to do. That's what the left does. Yeah, yeah, t- t- totally distract. Abby, thanks so much. Are you back home yet? Are you getting some rest? Take a couple weeks off now or what? I'm home. No, no, no rest for the weary, right? So yeah. I'm home, um, but I've just been doing a lot of interviews and, and talking, and um, it's, no, it's it's been great. It's been great. I'm, I am home with my kids, though. So all fun. right. I'm glad they're, they're, they're glad to have mom home. Well, well, thanks for all you do. Keep up the yes. good fight, and uh, we'll ask everybody to pray for your protection. And, uh, and thanks for joining us this morning. Good to talk to you. Of course. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. All right. What a warrior. What a, what a fighter. Uh, I tell That's you. That's awesome. That you, can, you can fail to be courageous if you're not willing to own up to your own sins in mm-hmm. the past. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's crazy. I mean, she's so right. They can go back and I, I mean, well, who amongst us could they not oh, go back you can find and find something? something. On anybody. Yeah. Oh gosh, <laughs> I'm, I'm just yeah. gosh, I'm glad. We're all walking the veil of tears, but I mean, you got to talk about the truth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, unapologetically. And so uh, here's the thing: is we all commit sin, but when you go and say it's no longer sin, that's the problem. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, she spoke up and people it's remembered awesome. and uh, yeah, she got, she's, you know, she's putting herself on the firing line and, uh, and paying for it. And we're going to take a one minute break now and you're going to hear, by the way, the spot, I believe this is going to play for the Fatima movie it comes out today. They're sponsors. And uh, as we mentioned before, it comes out today. Fatimathemovie.com is the website. And, uh, you know, you know, the time of Fatima in Portugal, 1917, there was a lot of religious persecution going on. And, uh, when we come back, uh, Gia Chacon is going to join us, founder of For the Martyrs, organizer of the March for the Martyrs. I bet you have not heard of this. It's going to be out in California next weekend. And, uh, Long Beach, California, if you want to get out there, raising awareness about global Christian persecution will tie it into what's going on right here in America. We'll be right back. Is the Lord calling you to be a missionary? Hi, Joe McLean here, and the Guadalupe Radio Network is calling for rosary missionaries to join with the GRN in praying for very special intentions. Would you be one of them? Log on to grnonline.com forward slash missionaries. Together, we can bring the power of prayer to bear on a dark world in need of the light of Christ. Log on to grnonline.com forward slash missionaries. Incredible True Story is now a powerful, uplifting motion picture event. Fatima, in 1917, the world needed hope when three children received a miracle. Who are you? I come from heaven. Fatima has now been endorsed by the Shrine of Fatima, featuring the original song Grazia Plena, performed by Andrea Bocelli. Fatima, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now in theaters and on demand. All right, next uh, Saturday... Uh, September 5th. Am I right about that? I think it's Saturday. Yeah. Long Beach, California, an event called March for the Martyrs. 
raising awareness about global Christian persecution. Jia Shakon is the founder of uh, For the Martyrs. Uh, she's a humanitarian, a speaker, pro-life director of Bienvenido U.S., and she is has a heart for martyrs across the world. And she joins us here on GRN Live to talk about this event and her work. Thank you, Gia. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me and giving a platform to the plight of the persecuted Christians around the world. Yeah, uh, I think it's it's you're doing such great work. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I got a long bio here about your work in the Middle East and other parts of the world, but uh, what is your background and why are you so passionate about what's going on around the world right now as far as Christian martyrdom? Well, I began my humanitarian work um, in 2017, and one of the first trips I went on with my grandmother's nonprofit organization was to the Middle East. And that was the first time that I had traveled to Egypt in my adult life and had been exposed to what the church is suffering for their faith and really exposed to the reality of Christian persecution for the first time. As an, excuse me, as an adult, I had no idea that Christians were suffering for their faith. I had no idea that Christian persecution is a global crisis. And while in Egypt, being able to sit down and talk with the church that had been suffering, church that faces persecution, Christians that are seen as second-class citizens, and what they face on a day-to-day basis solely because of their faith in Christ, really resonated deeply with me and actually led to me uh, fully devoting my life to the service of Christ. Throughout the years, I've had the privilege of traveling uh, many times to Egypt, doing work with the Iraqi and Syrian refugees in Jordan, and being down, uh, being able to sit down and speak with the refugees who have suffered atrocities for their faith, gain perspective, a deeper perspective into what Christians are suffering for their faith. And we're talking about lots of businesses, home, property, uh, Christians specifically targeted and forced out of their countries, again, solely because of their faith in Christ, realizing that There are over 260 million Christians worldwide who face high levels of persecution. And then taking that experience, realizing the depth of Christian persecution and the scale of Christian persecution, and coming back to the West and having conversations within our communities of faith and uh, just with people that I knew, I realized that the majority of people have no idea that Christian persecution is a global crisis, if they even know that Christian persecution exists. And it's this issue is widely ignored by the media. So it was those experiences, realizing that this issue is so ignored by the body of Christ in the West and oftentimes ignored by the media that led to the founding of For the Martyrs and our goal with March for the Martyrs to raise awareness about the crisis of Christian persecution. Yeah, and I've got some friends here locally in North Texas from Nigeria and they reach out to me all the time and just say, you know, it is, you know, really bad in Nigeria and Christians are being killed and nobody is paying attention. And they, you can just see the pain for them uh, knowing that their loved ones are back in the country and everybody's so distracted by everything else. Um, and it's also a fact that uh, you mentioned the 260 million people. Wow, that's, that's a, a lot, lot of people lot. Uh, with t- high level. Yeah, High level. and 20% increase in the last two years. So what's, what's new? I mean, Christian persecution has been going on, yeah, I guess, you know, since the time of Christ, but what's, 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 what's creating an increase? What's going on globally and even nationally to make it uh, such a, it's even increasing even more so than it has been? 
Yes, well, uh, yes, there's more persecution now in the body of Christ than in the times of the early church, and we've seen the level of Christian persecution just skyrocket. So there are two uh, rising factors of Christian persecution, and the two driving factors, the main ones we have, first of all, Islamist extremism, and uh, that is when Islamic militant groups or governments are specifically targeting Christians and seeing them as second-class and even third-class citizens. And then we also have national extremism, where it is illegal for Christians in many, um, in many countries, specifically in countries like China, we have major restrictions on Christians, and in North Korea, restrictions on Christians, but it's actually illegal to be a Christian in North Korea. So Christians that uh, live under national extremism, they can face uh, going to labor camps, uh, having their family members be put in labor camps, having their family members even killed uh, solely, uh, sometimes not just for being Christian, but even having a page of the Bible can get you put in a labor camp in some of these countries. And when we're living under Islamist extremism, we have radical ideologies embedded in every part of society. So it's not just that the government is targeting Christians, but we have Christians targeted in their education. We have Christians targeted when they're going to buy uh, going to buy property, Christians targeted when they're fighting a battle in court, and uh, we have a more systematic oppression of Christians. And even when we have extremism, like we've seen in ISIS in the Middle East and what's happening now in Nigeria, many people don't know that there's Islamist extremism in Nigeria that's targeting Christians and leading to the genocide of Christians in that area. Gia, let me ask you a question, and tell me if I'm making too much of a, of a stretch here, but uh, you, you, you focus primarily, it sounds like, international Christian persecution, but we're seeing some things happening here in America, and I want to connect a few dots, and you tell me uh, what you think about this. You've got uh, arguably the, the most powerful movement in the country right now, uh, Black Lives Matter, which is f- founded by self-described Marxists. And you've got representatives of that group, and I'll play some audio right here, going into restaurants just this week and forcing everybody to put the power fist up in the air. And if you if they don't do that, they're ostracized and ridiculed. And I, I mean, we, we've got the audio. I, I guess we don't have to play that, but uh, you, you may be familiar with this. Uh, many people, you've got you've got people showing up outside Jeff Bezos's house this week, making a guillotine. Uh, people last night during President Trump's talk. It was Doing a, having an effigy of his body with a guillotine chopping off his head. I mean, again, this this may not be directly Christian persecution, but I think many Christians are saying, "Wow, th- there's there's a force in America here right now that uh, seems anti-Christian and seems a bit threatening." Do do you is this on your radar, or what do you think about that? It's absolutely on my radar, and I think that the body of Christ in America needs to wake up to the reality of what's happening. And I don't say that in a condemning way. I say that as a sounding of an alarm. And if we are looking at the ideologies of Marxism, they do not go peaceably with the ideologies of Christianity. And we can look at other countries' histories and see what Marxism has the effect that Marxism has, not just on countries in a negative way, but specifically targeting the church in a devastating way. And we've had leaders within the Black Lives Matter organization that are calling for the destruction of Christian churches and Christian icons. And directly following those statements, 
we saw churches burning across the United States. We've seen statues of the Blessed Mother torn down and Christian property destroyed. So to say that these statements, you know, they, they're just words. They're not that important. He doesn't mean it literally. Well, we've seen the history has shown it in the last month, the last six weeks that he does mean it. And this organization does take it seriously that they're specifically targeting Christians. Now, this persecution no, it's not on the level of what's happening in the Middle East. Not yet. In Nigeria. Exactly, not in Nigeria. It's not on the level that it's happening, you know, under communist regimes. But this is a dangerous, dangerous route uh, that we're seeing. And if the church doesn't wake up and doesn't defend itself and defend, um, you know, our right to religious freedom, it's very dangerous. And every Christian should be speaking out against attacks against the church. It may not be politically correct, but it's what the body of Christ has an obligation to do. You're, you're pointing to the, what the Marxists call the useful idiots. And uh, these are uh, bleeding heart Christians who, of course, want to take care of the poor. There, there are problems, and we need to take care of the poor. Um, absolutely. And, and the body of Christ should be doing that and should be doing a better job. That means us as individuals. Um, but to go and adopt the Marxist framework with this communist ideal is useful idiocy because uh, they, they, they're just going to chop our heads off in the end. Mm -hmm. The very people who are, it's like this myth of neutrality. Absolutely. And if you, again, if you talk to anybody who's lived under um, communism, who has come to America fleeing communism or has been under regimes that are communist, and you have discussions with them, they will tell you this is very dangerous. This is the beginning of what communism looks like in America. And again, it's the alarm sounding for the body of Christ. What is our response going to do? And as I said, we have an obligation to respond, to speak up on behalf of our religious freedoms and defend them before they're taken away. All right. Uh, we are just down to the last few minutes. Uh, Alex, you had a question? Yeah, Gia, what can we do to help, you know, um, raise awareness for this event? You know, I know we're here in Texas and there's people spread out all over the country. So for us who can't make it out to Long Beach on the 5th of September, what can we do to help out? How can we support? Well, we can absolutely raise our voice on behalf of the persecuted Christians. I, you don't have to be in Long Beach to march with us to use your platform and advocate on behalf of the suffering faithful. You can join us on social media at March for the Martyrs and on Twitter at For the Martyrs and uh, reshare our content. Get the word out there. Spread information and statistics as to what uh, Christians are suffering for their faith. And I truly believe that standing with the persecuted Christians across the globe gives Christians in America the strength that they need and the courage they need to stand up to the intimidation that we're facing in our own country. Those websites have the statistical information or links there too? Yes, absolutely. If you connect with us on our website, um, forthemartyrs.com, on our Instagram, at March for the Martyrs, and on our Twitter, at For the Martyrs, you'll have access to not just information and statistics about Christian persecution, all the information that you need to register for the March for the Martyrs, which is the first march in United States history to stand in solidarity with the persecuted Christians. But you'll also have access to stories and firsthand accounts of Christian persecution that's, so you can gain a deeper understanding. That's cool. awesome. Cool. That's what we need. All right, Gina, thanks so much. 
And uh, appreciate you being with us again, Chia. Chia, did I pronounce your name right? Uh, I, I hope I got that right. Chia Chacon, is that right? Yes, that's okay. correct. Thank you. <laughs> Sometimes people are just too nice to, to correct me. But okay, thanks so much. Founder of For the Martyrs and organizer of the March for the Martyrs, September 5th, uh, out in California. So we appreciate her taking time to be on with us. And this is GRN Live Friday edition. It's been moving fast. We've got one more segment. I think we got to say goodbye to Dr. Malloy. Yeah, I got to get running, gotta, get gotta, to class. Got to get to class. Uh, thanks for being with us. And, uh, thanks for having me. Today is the day that the Fatima movie comes out. And we won't be talking specifically about the Fatima a movie, but there just happens to be a book uh, that is 100 Questions and Answers about Fatima that uh, was awesome. written uh, by a gentleman who we, we are going to have on with us in just a minute, and so we encourage you to go to FatimaTheMovie.com. I also had a chance uh, this week to interview the girl who plays Lucia nice. in the movie, and it's actually uh, the video of it. It was a video like uh, Zoom interview. I've never done one of those before where I can actually see her, so talk to her about her portrayal we got a couple of clips that we'll play from that as well. So, Paul Lenz joining us, uh, author of the Fatima book, as we talk about the Fatima movie, <laughs> uh, here in just a moment. This is GRN Alive. We'll be back. Ave Maria! The incredible true story is now a powerful, uplifting motion picture event. Fatima. In 1917, the world needed hope when three children received a miracle. Who are you? I come from heaven. Fatima has now been endorsed by the Shrine of Fatima, featuring the original song Grazia Plena, performed by Andrea Bocelli. Fatima, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now in theaters and on demand. Solidarity HealthShare is rebuilding Catholic healthcare in America. We conform to the moral guidelines of the Catholic Church so you never have to worry about your healthcare dollars paying for anything that violates your conscience. From conception to natural death, we strive to serve all healthcare needs, protect human life, celebrate families, and promote the dignity of all people. Join Solidarity HealthShare in restoring and rebuilding authentic Catholic healthcare by signing up at SolidarityHealthShare.org, a sponsor of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Hi, this is Len Oswald, president of the Guadalupe Radio Network with your GRN Family Minute. I have been introducing you to our GRN family members who we are so thankful for because of all they do. Today, I wanted to introduce you to Richard and Diane. Richard Reyna lives in San Antonio and is general manager for our South and Central Texas operations consisting of five stations. He joined the GRN on August 20th, 2007. He and his wife Julie have three daughters and one son. In San Antonio, Richard is known as Mr. GRN and he likes to sneak a GRN bumper sticker on your car. Diane Xavier lives in Dallas and joined the GRN on August 8th, 2011. She is the CATH production manager. Diane graduated from Texas A&M University and loves to support all things Aggie. We are your Catholic radio, radio for your soul, and I want to thank you for being part of the GRN family. All right. Love those GRN moment, uh, minutes. Yes. Moments. <laughs> it seems like a moment. They're so good. But it's actually a minute uh, with our president, Len Oswald. Uh, I don't think I've given out the phone number the entire show. And part of that was intentional because it's just so busy. busy we got show. so many going guests. On. Lots. We're moving fast. I didn't and... have enough espresso to keep up. <laughs> I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> uh, 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. And uh, again, we appreciate all of our guests, Alex Trevino joining us in studio for the show and actually gets to a little bit 
time to talk. I know you're probably thinking like, gosh, you invited me in. Yeah, it? with all these speakers and I don't get, I know it's fun. <laughs> I live down the street now. It's good. This is hopefully hey, we're the giving, first We're giving you so. free coffee. Thank okay? you. Exactly. Exactly. What else can you ask for? Coffee, water. All we're right. Good. So as I mentioned, uh, the Fatima movie comes out today. Uh, I've seen it. Dr. Malloy's has seen it. Uh, I don't think you've seen it yet. I have not. I wanted to wait till opening day to see it. And so I'm very, very excited to see it. Fatima is my favorite Catholic topic. So this is something that I'm, I'm on fire about. So. Well, you probably want to get a hold of a, a book uh, by Paul Sens. Not uh, to order it online, actually, oh, right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dedicated. Fat- Fatima, yeah. 100 questions and answers about the Marian apparitions. Paul Sens joins us now to talk about this book. Hi, Paul. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Hey, good, good. I uh, uh, I guess the, the timing of the book and the movie is just more of a coincidence. Is that right? Actually, uh, the, the funny thing is, the idea for the book came when the when the uh, premiere of the movie was delayed. So oh. it kind of came out of the movie. Yeah, the, the movie was supposed to come out back in April, but then when it was delayed to August, we thought, you know, this might be a really good opportunity to provide a resource for more context for people because it's a wide-release movie. There's going to be a lot of people seeing this movie who are going to be curious for more information. Um, so I thought we thought it'd be a great time to. Uh, provide a resource for people. Yeah. It's also a, a relatively small book, and it's in very, very short yeah. question and answer form. I know sometimes awesome. if somebody hands me a book and it's like 500 pages with small yeah. print, I'm like, no, no chance. I love short books. Unless it's through. the Summa Theologia. I'm not going <laughs> to read yeah. it. And so uh, tell us about the formatting. And I, you probably could have had 1,000 questions or you know, 50. Why, yeah. well, how did you, check, you know, kind of whittle it down to the questions you had, did ask? Yeah. So the, the whole idea behind having a question and answer format was because I wanted it to be this, um, this handy resource for people, whether in relation to this film or any of the other great films about Fatima that have come out over the years, or just somebody interested in, in, uh, our blessed mother or who's interested in apparitions or anything like that. It's, it's this, you know, 120 pages, short answers, so that there is kind of this pithy, great resource for information. And as far as the questions, that was that was kind of a trick. I mean, I had to, especially because I had kind of a quick turnaround for the book. I mean, I, I researched and wrote it in less than a month because we were trying to get it out um, to be, you know, sort of a, a resource for the movie. So I, I was putting these questions together, just kind of going, okay, step outside the box, step outside my head. What are people going to want to know about about these events? Oh, I mean, I was able I was able to uh, view the movie earlier er, early, which helped me kind of craft questions. You know, watch the movie. What are people going to see in the movie and then wonder about? Uh, so I, I I I just kind of dug in and went from from square one on and tried to just tell as much helpful information about the apparition and, and the context and the visionaries and everything as I could. Well, hey, Paul, um, was there anything in your research for this book that caught you by surprise? Maybe something that you revisited that you hadn't thought about in a while, something that you said, wow, this is going to really um, impact um, readers yeah. of the book. There was actually a lot. I was surprised at how much I didn't know about the apparitions and, and the surrounding context, as well as how much I had forgotten. So when I was when I was a kid, I had, I mean, I've always had a great love for our, for our lady and, and devotion to her. And when I was a very young child, I, I got this, this book about Fatima and 
after researching and writing this, I went back and was looking at it because because I was reading it to my kids, the the book from when I was a child, and I went, oh wait, I remember this now. <laughs> there were so many points that had just slipped my mind. One one of the the most interesting to me was actually bigger context. The summer before the apparitions of Our Lady began, the children were visited a few times by the Angel of Peace, he called himself, or the Angel of Portugal. And he actually brought with him uh, Holy Communion for the children. And Lucia, the oldest of the children, had received her First Communion in church, but the other two children, Francisco and Jacinta, had not received theirs. So the angel gave Lucia the host, and Francisco and Jacinta received the chalice. And I, I just thought, I think that's such a remarkable, a remarkable thing that they received. They received communion from the angel of peace. Wow! Then, you know, a few months before. That's amazing. Before incredible, incredible right. bragging rights all through Fatima for them, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Hey, I want, I want to ask you, uh, by the way, Paul Sens uh, joins us. He wrote the book called Fatima, 100 Questions and Answers about the Marian Apparitions. This is GRN Alive. And uh, if you have a question for him about the book, uh, 877-757-9424. Um, I, I had the opportunity uh, earlier this week to interview uh, Stephanie Gill, who plays Lucia, in uh, the movie, and uh, I want to ask you uh, about these children, the real-life kids, because you think of all the people that God and Our Lady could have chosen to, to speak to. Uh, why them? And you have uh, question number 10 is, uh, who was Lucia Dos Santos, who was Francisco Marto, and uh, who was Jacinta Marto? I want to play uh, a couple of the clips from this. Uh, they're very, very brief clips from, from Stephanie, and if you go to our uh, Facebook page uh, for Guadalupe Radio Network. The whole interview is like 15 minutes long. You can actually see her. It's a it's a Zoom interview that I did with her. Uh, one of the questions I asked her, I'm just going to highlight two of them, uh, was about her acting, you know, with the the Virgin Mother, the lady who played the Virgin Mother, and what's that's like, you know, to sit there. And and I thought the the portrayal of the Virgin Mother Mother Mary was beautiful on there. And so this is what Stephanie had to say about you know that actual scene of of encountering the the, the Mother of God, at least in the acting world. Here's here's what she said. I think that Joanna Ribeiro, that one that plays the Virgin, she's so amazing, and they made her. You know, her voice is so soothing. Her face, she's just so brilliant. And I actually felt connected to her when I was doing those scenes, you know, when she touched my face and I, it was really amazing that opportunity, you know, and those scenes were really special to me to film with her especially. Yeah. Well, one other clip I asked her, the, the, there's a scene in the movie where the vision of hell, right? right. And obviously, yeah. you know, this Alex from being a, a movie guy, they're not going to see the vision of hell in the movie. So you're thinking like, how do they do this in, yeah. a, in a cinema? And so she explains it about the, the scene with the vision of hell and what that was all about. So here's, here's Stephanie. We were surrounded by a green screen all around us. So we had to move around and act like we were seeing hell, you know, and yeah. I, I was grabbing Alejandro and Jorge. We were like moving around a green screen, like, you know, so we had to act most of it out. Now, Paul, there wasn't a green screen back in 1917, right? This was an actual vision of hell. So, anyways, I yeah. want to play those clips. And again, Stephanie Gill plays the, the young Lucia in the movie Fatima. Comes out today, uh, the, FatimaTheMovie.com. Uh, who are these kids, and how did you treat it in your book? Uh, these three uh, real life children. Well, the, the, they were young children, uh, shepherd shepherd children, uh, in this little rural 
uh, out of the way town in Portugal. Um, it was interesting reading, all, you know, doing doing the research and learning about these children because they. You might think you might be tempted to think that they, they because they were chosen to be these, these visionaries, these recipients of these apparitions, that they must have been, you know, spotless um, children who will always listen to their parents and who and who and who said their prayers dutifully and everything. They were certainly good children, but they were regular kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's there's a great example that. Uh, the, the the movie portrays it in a, in a really interesting way too, with a, just a, just a slight change. The when the children were out um, with their with their uh, flocks, and I should mention, uh, Francisco and Jacinta were brother and sister, and Lucia was their cousin. So and they and they lived you know next door to each other, and they spent all their time together and everything. When they would be out with their flocks, when it would be time to to say their rosary, the children would just say the opening words of each prayer so that, so that they could finish their prayers and get and get to playing <laughs> so, so, so let's say, get through this our father hail mary yeah. hail mary hail mary hail mary yeah. um but it's interesting because they still said their prayers you know they, they said it in a sort of modified way and the film um in in a lot of the ads they put out the, the film shows the ads show the scene in the film where they put a little twist on that where the, the children stand on a on a hill in the valley and and yell Ave Maria, and then count how many times it echoes, and how many times it echoes is how many prayers they've said so far. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Anyway, yeah, so they, they, were, they were certainly devout children. Um, they were, you know, regular kids. They were, they, some of them, Jacinta was moody, and Francisco was kind of, was kind of shy. Um, Lucia was sort of, uh, <clears throat> she, Often had the other children from the village would follow her around because they liked her so much, and they would they would want to if they were also shepherds, they would want to take their sheep where she was taking hers because they wanted to spend time with her and things like that. But then the uh, apparitions, the experiences, just really profoundly changed them. And the the main way is that it got the message through to them very clearly and changed their their whole outlook on life, where they wanted to spend every moment every ounce of their being saving souls, uh, particularly the, the, the vision of hell that you were just referring to uh, in the July apparition of that year. They yeah. saw what happened to, the, to these souls, and they said, we want to do everything in our power, make sacrifice and suffer as much as we can to, to help people avoid this fate. Yeah, I want to ask you about that, Paul. We're just about out of time. Uh, Paul Sens is my guest. Uh, Fatima, 100 Questions and Answers about the Marian Apparitions is uh, the name of the book. Uh, question 36 says, why might Our Lady have shown the children such a terrifying vision? Many people have asked that. It's like, wow, this yeah. is crazy. Why would she do that? And yeah. then the next question is, hell a real place? And I think about the debate in our culture. We won't get into it uh, too much in these <laughs> two minutes, but, you know, <laughs> you know, dare we hope that all men are saved? and some people are kind of uh, hinting that maybe there is no hell in the first place. Do you think that's the reason, or, or how do you answer that? Why would, why would she show the kids yeah. such a terrifying vision? Yeah, I think that is part of it. So I'll just quickly say, the first time she appeared to them and said she was from heaven, and Lucia asked, will we go to heaven? And she told them, yes, you will. The three of you will go to heaven. Francisco and Jacinta sooner than Lucia, but yes, you will go to heaven. So this vision was not meant to scare them straight. They already knew they were going to be going to heaven, and they were and they were leaving 
holy lives and more so as time went on. But the, the, the vision was for the sake of others. You know, Our Lady came to lead men to God and to have these children help her in that mission. Uh, so she showed, she showed the vision to the children so that they could more passionately and more effectively help her in the mission of getting the world to change its ways and turn towards God. All right. Amen. Uh, Paul, thanks for being with us. Again, Fatima, 100 Questions and Answers about the Marian Apparitions, published by Ignatius Press. I always say, go to the Catholic bookstores first. Now more than ever, these Catholic bookstores need your support. Uh, I guess Ignatius has their own website, uh, Ignatius.com, is that right? That's right. Okay. All right. Paul, thanks so much for joining us. And I know it's uh, you're out, in, out, I think, West Coast, right? So it's really early. Yeah. And so God bless you. Wow. Yeah, you can go back to bed now, okay? <laughs> All right. Drink okay. a lot of coffee. Yeah. Thanks, Paul. Good good talking with you. All right. So you're, you're a big devotee of Fatima. Yes, I've been twice. I went once in 1998 and once in 2011. So 1998, I was the age of uh, Francesco and Jacinta. Oh, wow. Seven, eight years old. And then the other time I went as a pit stop during World Youth Day, and uh, <laughs> both times changed my life. <laughs> a pit. Yeah, I wow. still remember the, both of them, both those trips very, very clearly. Yeah. Well, we're going to wrap up the show, and then we're going to have the after show. Alex Trevino joining us. Sissel is going to come to our side of the glass Pass and jo- join the us. Glass. <laughs> <laughs> and awesome. uh, quit being so aloof, Sissel. I'm sorry. I don't know why, what. Uh, but she's going to come on and talk uh, in the after show as well. Uh, and Diane Xavier puts all the stuff up on social media. So if you want to, if you're listening, radio and jump onto Facebook or YouTube or Twitter and uh, continue the conversation with us and you can uh, make your comments about any of the stuff we talked about we talked a lot about a lot today and so we'll see you in a moment have a wonderful weekend St. Augustine pray for us the after show continues right after this thank you for listening to GRN Alive from the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. For more faith, fun, and facts, join our email list. Just text the letters GRN to the number 42828. That's GRN to the number 42828. And may your Friday be filled with the joy of the Lord. Blessed be God, blessed be His holy name, blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man, blessed be the name of Jesus, blessed be His most sacred heart, blessed be His most precious blood. Blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Blessed be the Holy Spirit of Paraclete. Blessed be the Great Mother of God, Mary most holy. Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. Blessed be her glorious assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, Virgin and Mother. Blessed be Saint Joseph, her most chaste spouse. 
Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. A-T-H, 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth.